0: Hi,
1: I'm Kieran, and my heart will go on.
0: And I'm Jacob, the Wallowigi
1: of this podcast. (laughs) And this is... Is Pop Pop Goes Capitalism. Capitalism. (laughs) So, Jacob... How have you been coping with late stage capitalism this month?
0: Oh, God. Um, not well is the the honest answer. But the uh, <laughs> the answer I'm going to give is I've been re-listening to every episode of another podcast. I uh, scandalous. We're the only one that ever existed ever. Um, <laughs> called Respect the Dead. The podcast where they don't. Uh, in order.
1: And it has been glorious. Oh, you introduced me to that podcast and I absolutely love it i love it It's so hysterical much. i love it so much have they done an episode on the uh titanic people no no um well Ooh, not yet i feel like that's coming um, i feel like it might be coming <laughs> so uh anyway like did it work did it ease the pain no no it didn't okay
0: <laughs> and kieran how have you been coping with late stage capitalism this month
1: So I've been watching those like TikTok bread recipes to remind me that as long as you can afford bread and olive oil, you can make like a really fatty, heavenly, delicious meal. Like it's this one particular type of TikTok recipe where they'll like cut the loaf of bread and they will just submerge it in olive oil.
0: Okay, now I'm not, I'm not down with the yubes, but is it long enough
1: to get a full recipe on TikTok these days? I mean, it's usually... I mean, I mean they're basically frying bread, so yeah. Ah, uh,
0: okay. Because it's so like it's, it's like it's
1: quick. Yeah, it's like here's a loaf, and then it's like here's olive oil on one side, here's olive oil on the other, and then it's like <laughs> let's roast some garlic with loads of olive oil. It's just like oh, and it is delicious.
0: <laughs> Amazing. And did it work? Did it ease the pain? No.
1: <laughs> no. Not
0: not that on really. that then. <laughs> Okay, I guess we should move in to some chit charts. Let's chit about the charts. woo
1: It's
0: me starting the chit chart section this this month and uh, my, my 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 like what would you call it my like spidey senseless were tingling when I saw David Guetta and Bebaraxa, I'm good brackets blue <laughs> back in the charts, mm-hmm. doing a steady number around the middle of the sort of top fifty and um I wondered weather this was because of a planet warming weather phase that has begun and if you are prone to falling into climate grief maybe give this next story a wee bit of a skip because el nino has begun for months researchers have been increasingly confident that the el nino event was set to emerge in the Pacific Ocean, which is this natural phenomenon that occurs every two to seven years where the sea water's warm and it comes to the surface of South America and spreads across the ocean, okay. pushing significant amounts of heat up into the atmosphere. It's the most powerful fluctuation in climate systems anywhere on Earth, and the researchers believe oh. that this event has an 84% chance of exceeding moderate strength <laughs> by the end of this year. Oh, no, they also say it. that there's a one in four chance of this event exceeding two degrees <gasps> warming at its peak, which is getting into the territory of a super L Nino, or as I like to say, a super oh. L Nino. <laughs> the impacts of the onset of L Nino will likely lag behind a few months. So if you've been feeling well warm the last few days, weeks, months at this point, uh, <laughs> this is not due to El Nino. So I dread next summer, to be honest. Oh, God. Um, it'll be felt all across the world. A strong El Nino in 1997, Cost over $5 trillion, with around 23,000 deaths from storms and floods and the likes. There's also a strong likelihood that this year's version will push 2024 past 2016 as the world's hottest year, with global temperatures currently hovering around the 1.1C above average for the period from 1850 to 1900. But an El Nino event could add up to 0.2 degrees to that figure, pushing the world into uncharted temperature territory and close to breaking that symbolic that everyone seems to be ignoring now 1.5 degrees warming guardrail a key element of the Paris climate agreement that everyone seems to ignore how does that sound uh uh, 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 uh,
1: diabolical Uh, 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 uh this El Nino seems a little bit threatening to me to be honest I'm not sure if I like her you know because mm. because we're still approaching this year's summer mm-hmm. like we're still deep in it and and she's coming out like just wait for next year you're going to be yeah. fucked and that's scary and then like yeah. point pushing 0.2 degrees celsius to that figure it's like it's like pushing the nitro on on climate change
0: yeah that everyone <sighs> still seems to be ignoring yeah. largely yeah and so we're getting closer to that sort of that that sort of weird as they say guardrail. I don't like the term guardrail because I think most of the warming has been pretty fucking catastrophic anyway. Well, yeah. But um that's the point that scientists reckon shit hits the fan. And I don't want to be full doomer about this because it's very easy for me to fall into that um yeah. climate grief. Um, But I think, like, you know, I'm not telling you to
1: (laughs) is all I will say. I just I just hear it as like, you know, that's the point at which scientists say like shit will hit the fan. And I just have like this vivid memory in my mind of that video that came out. I don't even know if it was last year or the year before at this point, but it was like that boat that was, like, sailing away from this island that was just on fire. I think it was, like, Greece or somewhere like that. Mm. Hmm. Do you remember
0: that one where the ocean was on fire?
1: Oh, wait, was it, like, an oil spill or something? I think so.
0: Yeah, I don't don't know what it was, but the the water was on fire, and I was like, wow, that's not
1: good. Like, we've already got, like, enough footage now for, like, a real-life compilation clip like compilation like montage for use in a disaster movie and like for the scientists to say like shit will really hit disaster
0: music like music movie
1: like shit won't hit shit hasn't hit the fan yet it will at this point i'm like what the fuck does that mean like that is absolutely terrifying
0: a lot of the problems we've been having with the cost of living crisis is because of the like disruption to markets caused by like you know Canada being on fire and crops failing already yeah. at what 1.1 1. 1 warming, like 1.5 is significant in terms of global temperatures and yeah. uh, pushing closer to that, especially adding point two in a very short amount of time. Yeah. What else is happening in the charts, Kieran? Bring me away from this.
1: So, in what can only be described as a confusing turn of events, Cruel Summer, a song from Taylor Swift's 2019 album, Lover, has re-entered the charts at 28 this month, and is now officially serving as the album's fifth single. Five billionaires had a particularly cruel summer this month, making their one-way trip to the wreckage of the Titanic unless you've been living at the bottom of the ocean, or you're listening to this podcast episode a couple decades in the future, you probably know all about this already. But in case anyone doesn't, I'll give a quick summary. So, on the 18th of June, the Titan submarine, carrying five billionaires, or like four billionaires and a sun, I don't really know what we call the, the sun, <laughs> uh, they were pay- they paid per ticket um, to basically go and explore the wreckage of the Titanic. And this submarine lost communications with its mothership during its descent. So after a three-day search mission, some wreckage was discovered and the US Navy revealed that they had detected an acoustic signature consistent with an implosion. The five passengers one of whom was the company's CEO, likely vaporized. I'm not sure what word it is that you would use, but they went poof and then they were gone. Um, Probably that happened before they even realized that the submarine was imploding. Um, Yeah, so apart from one terrified 19-year-old who was scared to go on the trip but went to make his father happy, The CEO and its passengers have not garnered very much sympathy from the general public, it seems. Firstly, the submarine was uncertified and unregulated, it was made with inappropriate materials, and the CEO regularly made claims that safety protocols hindered innovation
0: this ceo is batshit insane and i saw an insane facebook post the other day because i've got facebook i re i reactivated my facebook yeah um well i made a new account and so it feeds me loads of trash from like oh no philip schofield's really bad for some reason and oh, stuff yeah. of this nature and i it just recommends me random shite and one of them was this guy claiming that it was wokeness that killed them because the CEO diversity hired a load of young people instead of experienced old white men who had like experience in submersibles and I was like wow way to wildly jump over the actual point of this guy who was saying the innovation wasn't going fast enough in the industry because it was too safe and so he didn't hire those white men with experience because he didn't want them he didn't want the safety yeah. he wanted innovation he wanted to do something batshit insane and anybody claiming that diversity hires are the reason for this disaster is a terrible cant.
1: yeah i agree um so the second reason they haven't really in my opinion got much sympathy is because they were billionaires And in a capitalist world whereby billionaires routinely oppress and make decisions that lead to the deaths of thousands upon thousands of other individuals, perhaps the majority of people can't really empathise. Capitalists regularly espouse that hard work will get you far in life, while they extract all the value created by the hard work of everyone else. But when it comes to going two miles underwater, these billionaires couldn't even be bothered to put in the hard work of a five minute Google search that would have like easily revealed how dangerous this submarine really was. So what do you think about this whole debacle?
0: <laughs> I I have had many, many late nights thinking about this whole f- fucking thing oh really it's um it's really hard because there is a human part of me that hates death so much that i hate the thought of anybody dying unnecessarily yeah and i did see somebody making the point about the 19 year old and saying it was murder on part of the father that took the 19 year old and i kind of see where they're coming from on that one actually Uh um because not regulated at all um and that is a child in my eyes i don't care what anyone says that's a child um i wouldn't have said that at 19 but now i'm like nearly 25 i'm like actually no 19 you're a feckin child stay in your lane yeah. um yeah don't come at me 19 year olds i'm sorry <laughs> we love your you brain ain't developed yet <laughs> <laughs> your frontal cortex it's just not there hun. um I'm 25 now. My quarter-life crisis is 19-year-olds are still children. Um, <laughs> but that's really besides the point. Yeah, I've had a hard time dealing with the, like, death aspect of it. And yeah. to be honest, it did, it did tug at my heartstrings seeing the, like, oxygen counters, even though they were vaporised instantly, which is what most people thought would have happened anyway. Yeah. I don't know where the news got the idea that they were just stranded came from, because surely... The connection... I I don't know. This whole thing is just fucking insane. And there's loads of people, like, going on about, like... Well, it's a drop in the water. Like, the ticket price for a billionaire... 250,000 isn't actually that much. And things of this nature. And, oh, but what else would you do with that money? You like to be daring. You want to be, like, in front of danger and see this mystical dead ship. However... Somebody I follow on multiple platforms called Sophie from Marsh is a YouTuber, streamer. I highly recommend you check out her stuff. She has a slightly different theory, which is the uh, suicidal uh, ideation of the ultra wealthy under late stage capitalism.
1: Oh, oh, wow. And I've clipped a a
0: little bit from one of her recent streams to convince you.
2: Everest, Antarctica, the Mariana Trench, the Titanic, and space they they have this in common that they're all very dangerous, but they have something else in common there aren't any working class people there <laughs> and I think that this represents not uh, a drive to find the dangerous and the uh, the immortal, uh, you know, the, the edge of the mortal coil, right, the, the possibility of your own demise, when I'm saying that it's a suicidal instinct, what I'm saying is that It's a drive to get away from us. We remind billionaires what it's like being a human being, and they hate that they no longer are human beings because of their wealth. They hate that their wealth has made them completely unlike human beings, unlike 99.9% of all human beings on the planet. And they can't bear to be reminded of it by us, right? So these things... All have in common that they are a right to exit. They are getting away, even temporarily, from the planet Earth and society and humanity and human life and experience. It's getting away from all of that.
1: Wow. I mean, that
0: that yeah. that sort of that's my sort of. I sort of agree with Sophie here.
1: I think it's. I think it's an interesting theory. Yeah. I mean, I certainly see merit in it, for sure. Wow so yeah that, that's my
0: take and also none of us are getting into heaven after the memes oh,
1: no it's like they want it's like you, you just can't relate to them can you really
0: i mean the it's very hard to relate especially after like the uh the boat with the migrants in it a few, yeah. it a few days before that 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 all unfolded and just garnered very little in terms of international sympathy or attention and then these five cunts go down to the bottom of the ocean and uh, explode. Yeah. It's hard to to sort of see the, the the sympathy. It's hard. It is
1: hard. Yeah, but it's also like, you know, bungee jumps. Like, they're, they're really safe, you know, and I remember that one. Are they? Yeah, I think so. And like, on that Respect the Dead uh, podcast episode, the one you really recommended to me about... That theme park. That, like, cursed... That fucking action park. (laughs) Uh, The Tooth Slide! No! Oh, oh, no, no, no. Oh, my goodness. Oh, Um, Tooth
0: Slide. It's coming for us all.
1: (laughs) But, like, they said that the bungee jump uh, they had a bungee jump there and it didn't report any accidents because it's like you just get all of the equipment and it's already like regulated and stuff but like <laughs> the way
0: that that had just skimmed my smooth brain because i was so focused on tooth
1: slides
0: i don't even remember that <laughs> um
1: but like i wouldn't even go on a fucking bungee jump because i just don't vibe with that shit so it's like I feel like the nor- there's this normal human instinct for most people of, like, safety. And even if you are the type of person who would go on a bungee jump, you'd probably draw the line at this submarine. So... Yeah. So Especially you- after reading that you're sealed inside. Bolted inside.
0: <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> I hate it so much. Everything about this is horrible. Yeah. So and very hard to sort of sympathise with.
1: Yeah. So uh, what else has been going on in the charts this month? <laughs>
0: There's been a new entry uh, in the charts at the end of June. Uh, Doja Cat's attention's in there. Something I hope we were all playing for Rena Sawayama's Glastonbury performance earlier this month.
1: I wrote this next song because I was sick and tired of these microaggressions.
2: So tonight... This goes out to a white man that watches Ghetto Gathers and mocks
0: Asian people on a podcast. He also owns
1: my masters. I have
0: now! Oh, queen, oh, queen I shit. It. I love it. Feed me mother. <laughs> <laughs> so pretty much everybody is in agreement that this is in reference to Matty Healy of the band of the 1975, who admittedly, outside of their one song featured in Love, Simon, I've paid zero attention to music-wise. They just don't interest me mm. that much. On closer ins- inspection, though, Matty Healy seems like a real piece of work. <laughs> so this this all came about on the Adam Fied- F- Friedland's show. Friedland? Which is... <laughs> Friedland? <laughs> oh is it Friedland? No, 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 no,
1: I think you're probably right. <laughs> <laughs> like Friedland, you know, like KFC or something. <laughs> okay.
0: You know what? I don't care. I'll get it wrong. <laughs> Which is apparently a left irony podcast. They they call themselves centre left and I think that's probably uh-huh. more centre than left. But as somebody that does listen to some very out there leftist content, uh shout out to the Lagoon and Ravenna. If anybody gets that then yeah we have a similar taste in podcasts. Uh I don't see the appeal of this one. I listened to some of the episode and completely oh, ruined no. my recommendations on YouTube just to see how this sounded in context cuz Rena is pissed. <laughs> I see a lot of other people are pissed. Um and so I was like okay, I need I need to hear this for myself to make up yeah. my mind. Breaking news doesn't make it much better. Okay. So yeah. First imagine. off, let's 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 go with ghetto gaggers. I've googled it so that you don't have to. And now that's in my search history. Oh god. Uh their tagline is Black Women, White Men, Rough Sex. Just gonna oh. leave that there. Oh, <laughs> leave that hanging. Okay. That's in my search history forever. This podcast also features Matty making reference to US rapper Ice Spice. Uh the hosts of the podcast mistakenly identify Her as being from Hawaiian, Inuit, and Chinese heritage, then mocking each accent as they went. What the fuck? Later in the podcast, the hosts, which is comedians in air quotes, Adam (laughs) Friedland and Nick Mullen, performed impressions of Japanese people working in concentration camps whilst Healy was heard joining in in the background. I've listened. It is as bad as you expect it to be. As I've said before, I listen to out there leftist content. I listen to Trash Future. The amount of accents on there that you could probably take as offensive is unreal. Yet, this is really bad. This is in real bad taste. I just, oh, I just, what were they thinking? Uh, Yeah, I mean... In her set, Rena mentioned that he also owns her master's if this is indeed Matty she was talking about, which we're fairly confident it is, but I'm just putting that in there for (laughs) my own sanity, Um, which is probably something to do with them sharing a label. They're both signed to Dirty Hit, which Matty was the director of Dirty Hit Limited, the private company behind the record label, earlier this year. In my search, I also found that since January 2023... All the members of the 1975, Massey, Healy, George Daniel, Adam Han, and Ross MacDonald, are all shareholders of the company. If we know anything about capitalism, it's not beyond the realms of imagination to think they may well own her masters. Mm-hmm. But nothing that I find confirms this. So this is very much an allegedly. Yeah. People are saying... He owned them until he left as director. Some people are saying there's no proof at all. Some people are just out there saying, Matty Healy's the best thing since sliced bread. How dare you come at him? <sighs> I think for more on, like, Masters ownership, you need to listen to episode two, which is another Kieran episode where we Ooh. deep dive into Taylor's uh, Taylor Swift's Masters. But yeah, th- this whole thing uh... happened at Glastonbury.
1: I I the, some so I've heard about uh, a lot of Matty Healy's behavior already uh, mm. because of his brief fling with Taylor Swift that he had. Oh recently. yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> so that exposed me to all of this like horrible shit. But the part of it that I didn't know and that is new to me is that this podcast is apparently like left irony. And it's like yeah. I just don't know what's ironic or funny about like seeing, like uh, talking about ice spice here, like seeing somebody that's not white, mm-hmm. and and then oh let's cycle through potential nationalities or racial yeah. racial uh, ancestry and lineage, and and like fucking whack a mole and and like take the piss out of every fucking one as we go like Mm -hmm. like left irony like i was disgusted by it before but just like left irony like what what how that Mm. and then
0: like i say center left i'm thinking this is more of a Keir starmer center situation going on here
1: i can't even imagine Keir starmer doing that and he's pretty bad
0: well, no, he'd be on the fence. The fence would be so far up his ass, it's coming out of his mouth.
1: He'd say, I wouldn't personally make those comments, but... I would encourage the comments <laughs> to go further. <laughs> and actually, I don't know, say the word. Or he would do some, like, real, like, like, trying to speak to, you know, that, like, fictional backwards Red Wall voter and say, like, but we need to protect comedy. Because that's, like, a big talking point, isn't it, with all God, of these... Oh, they fucking love that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, free speech oh god yeah free speech when i want it Uh, um and then and then like i didn't know a thing about rinna's masters um off what i would say regarding you not being able to find something though is that like it's pretty much all under contract and all Mm -hmm. of these contracts are nda bound normally like for example i mean (laughs) let's not get into this topic but kanye west leaked his recording contract and in yeah. doing so he broke his NDA and like put himself at risk of lawsuits and but that's Kanye West so he has like gold digger money that he can use
0: yeah and now uh, the ear of several Nazis <laughs> oh
1: god but uh Rinna Saayama doesn't really have so much so I guess it's kind of a an awkward one
0: I think she know I mean she's she studied politics somewhere, didn't she she's uh, really Cambridge. she's yeah yeah, she's really up on like things so I don't think she would have said it lightly, I think she waited to say it on the stage at Glastonbury for a reason,
1: oh yeah, and
0: I think that's 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 important, I think it's worth taking into consideration who gets the 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 bigger voice and who has the the screaming horde of insane fans going after him um that are ready to defend him with their like fucking lives yeah. i don't think highly of this man and i i've no. like i went deep into this guy i wanted to know everything so yeah um he does like he does sort of i think they uh, it's it's such he's such an interesting person because he <laughs> he's seen as like very progressive and on the left and yeah. you can see some of that in stuff that he says, but the way that he does it is in such like a condescending way, as like I'm right, I know I'm right, and nobody can criticise me. I am just right, and everybody that's that say. Yeah. And the way, if you if you look deeper into all of this, when he apologises to Ice Spice on stage, she's not there. Oh. He just does this randomly oh, I'm, on stage. I've not somewhere. Heard about this. What? Yeah, he apologised okay. on stage. And was like, I'm really sorry. I'm not sorry that people took offence to it. I'm sorry if I came across as a dick to you. And I'm like, what? And then somewhere else he said something like, I don't think people talk about this at home. I don't think they they go over to their partner and go, what's wrong, dear? And they're like, oh, I'm just so sad about this Matty Healy situation. Like,
1: what are you on about, man? I mean, but also it's just like, yeah, they, yeah, it probably wouldn't be a situation of like deep sadness if you heard those comments like you probably like storm into your partner's room and be like you're not going to believe what this person has said i am pissed you know like mm.
0: yeah it's just he like, really mm. yeah he's really played into it as well like at sev- there's clips online because uh-huh. for some reason now tiktok seems to think i want to see this <laughs> of him being like you might have noticed i've been quiet lately because i've been a naughty boy he's really playing into it in that such a horrible oh. way i just don't think he fully comprehends i don't i don't understand this man i do not understand him i,
1: I don't like it when people mm. are too arrogant to just apologize yeah like, arrogant is can probably learn. the right word like people can learn people can it seems improve. like he doesn't want to well yeah exactly it's just and especially this whole like he's seen as progressive thing like it just strikes me as this like like kind of the people i went to uni with you know some of them it's all a show not all of them but like there there is this type of like straight white man who like claims to be left isn't so left but it's very arrogant and cocky about like how how future forward thinking they are
0: yeah, I think if you if you really were on the left, I really don't know if you'd become a shareholder in the record company that you were signed to for twenty pound. Mm,
1: no, yeah, ugh, ugh. That's that's given me. I feel like I need a shower now. That's given me the ick. Yeah, talking about the nineteen seventy
0: five really gone down in my books as of late. That is chit chit-chart. Shall we move on to our main deep, 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 deep,
1: deep dive? <laughs> the problem is this spotify was created to solve a problem the problem was this piracy and music distribution the problem was to get artists music out there the problem was not to pay people money the problem the problem was to distribute music not to give you money okay the problem was to distribute music hi I think that this quote from Jim Anderson, former executive at Spotify, sums up today's topic quite nicely. Today we're talking about streaming services and the money they make with a slight slant towards considering small artists, a topic very personal to me given that I myself am obviously a small artist. So before we get going, Jacob, what are your initial thoughts about streaming and how it affects small artists?
0: Okay, I was quite late to the streaming game. To be honest, uh. I was very, <laughs> I was very stuck in my ways of, uh, YouTube to MP3 <laughs> my songs onto uh, my various devices, uh. and I stuck by that for a very, very, very long time. I don't think it was well. till university in 2017 that I properly like moved over to streaming which was a lot later than a lot of people people were swearing by yeah, spotify wow but i just never made that
1: transition until then. i actually only transitioned to streaming in properly in 2021 when rika added oh, wow. me to the apple music family plan before that i would it's... just buy physical cds that i liked and then youtube to mp3 other ones <laughs>
0: it's definitely yeah. a complex thing um especially considering small artists because i don't think i would be even aware of half the artists i am now if it wasn't for streaming Yeah. and their weird algorithms um but i i am also very painfully aware that streaming is extremely not good for the money
1: yeah okay yeah i think that that's a that's a really great like balanced initial understanding
0: yeah yeah, I'm, right, I'm waiting for you to, like, tear it all down Oh no. and me.
1: No, no, I'm just going to be building <laughs> on that. Yeah, no, that was a really good one, yeah. Um, so this topic is, like, a really expansive one, and we're obviously not going to be able to cover everything, like, in full detail. So mm-hmm. I'm going to very swiftly breeze through, like, the background of the transition from physical music to digital music, just so that we're mm. on the same page regarding that, and in case anyone listening doesn't know properly yeah yeah so okay deep breath let's get this done in half a minute (laughs) with (laughs) you can you can speed this up in time (laughs) Um. (laughs) (laughs) so with the proliferation of the internet people started sharing music online for free this became a big problem in the music industry because people stopped buying cds Apple introduced iTunes for digital music sales, which did kind of help to address the problem. But what really changed the game was the introduction of Spotify. So nowadays, music is largely consumed through the subscription model of streaming, whereby you pay a flat monthly rate to access the whole vast music library that the streaming service has the rights to use. (sighs) Okay, there we go. (laughs) Amazing. Ten out of ten. Thank you very much. So the internet has often, often uh, uh, the internet has often been hailed as a great equalizer. So consider this with small artists. Beforehand, record labels were almost like essential in making a living as a recording artist. You know, connections to radio, promotional campaigns, CD printing facilities. Like those are like a few of the things to which record labels had unique access. But now, with the internet, a small artist doesn't really need a record label anymore. A simple $40 annual subscription can get your music onto all streaming services in a matter of days, and like one viral TikTok can turn you into a global star. But Jacob, Mm. do you think it's all sunshine and rainbows for small artists in the age of streaming? Maybe detect the bitterness in my voice. If you don't, why not? (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> I, I have a feeling there may be some algorithms at work and Ooh. maybe some extremely
1: low pay. Mm, you might be right. So I think the best way of considering money and streaming services is just to really follow the money through. So let's go into detail now about the finances of streaming services and how money filters from the customer to the artist. So the natural first question of the day is, what do people pay for their streaming services? Ooh, ah. okay, so Spotify, which is probably the best example of a music streaming service, has charged £9.99, $9.99, €9.99, I never really got that whole number across currencies thing. Uh, oh, so they charge the same wherever you are? Uh, pretty much. I think it's different in America because don't they do, like, post-money post, post money tax? You know, like, when you Probably. go...
0: Probably. It's America. If, it's weird. When you
1: go into the supermarket, like, you need to, like, add tax in your head because it's added at checkout rather than just on the... Ew. Yeah, I know. Fuck Crazy. That. I couldn't cope with that. Um, yeah, so anyway, Spotify charged £9... nine oh, we don't need the currency, but... Okay, no, we're going to consider the UK, so... Spotify has charged nine pounds ninety nine per month for Spotify Premium at its launch in the UK in early two thousand and nine, and other So it's never changed. Yeah, basically wow. that kind of that kind of yeah. I've kind of preemptively spoiled a punchline for later on, but we'll run with it. <laughs> mm-hmm. So other streaming services charge similarly. So in 2009 let's consider in 2009 I would argue that this price tag was never really fair. Um I've really struggled mm. to find information on this. So I went to the resource of Instagram a week ago and begged people <laughs> for help. Um <laughs> a lot of people who answered my question remembered that they paid they would pay 12 pounds for a newly released CD in 2009. Mm-hmm. sounds about right and a couple others okay well that's another voice to the chorus cool um and a couple others told me that they they were ahead of the curve you know they were cool so they were already ordering new cds online and there they might find them (laughs) for like eight or nine pounds but apparently this was like dodginess with like foreign imports (laughs) where like cds were more cheap abroad um it's, yeah, which is a yeah, cool side note. Um, and I do roughly remember like the £10 mark for new albums in that, like around that time period. Yeah, that
0: feels right. That feels like about what you'd pay for an album, like a CD or something. Yeah.
1: So So in summary, in 2009, when Spotify launched, the pitch was something like pay for around an album every month and get access to almost every album ever made. Um, yeah, yeah. So as we touched on earlier, that price is the same today, mm-hmm. which is like wild to me. So it's still nine pounds ninety nine, uh, and capitalists love to talk to us about inflation the whole time. So we know that like nine ninety nine isn't the same as nine ninety nine in two thousand and nine. Whoa, so many nines. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah. Spotify premium money as a social construct, yeah, yeah, and sadly that social construct is like this entire fucking episode <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. it's just so, what uh, it's just such a shame, isn't it, money It's just frustrating as hell, um anyway, <laughs> we should abolish it, yeah, so spotify premium two thousand twenty three still costs nine pounds ninety nine so let's compare that to the price of. of today's like presumed alternative which would be a digital download i would argue Mm -hmm. so on amazon music midnights the standard edition without like the 3am tracks or any of the countless re-releases she's done already (laughs) standard midnights by taylor swift costs 10.99 right on itunes 11.99 Chromatica by Lady Gaga costs $10.29 on Amazon Music. Uh, side note here, funnily enough, the audio CD for Chromatica only costs $4.49. <laughs> so, huh. so I like guess they overproduced them or something. Uh, what do you know? Yeah, and on iTunes, it costs $10.99. Now, like, the album prices are admittedly a mixed bag. Um, and although it would help my argument to ignore the other side, I do want to be transparent. So the standard edition of Future Nostalgia by Dua Lipa currently sits at a fiver on iTunes and Amazon Music. And plenty of older albums still sit at this price too. But mm. a lot of new albums from mainstream artists now transcend the £10 mark, like for sure.
0: Um, you know, not- Part of me wonders, if this is coming up, please tell me to shut up. But part of me wonders whether... <sighs> the the distinction that's being made here is ownership versus renting because essentially with Spotify we're renting the music we don't own it we don't keep it if we unsubscribe or spotify servers die we just lose everything whereas yeah with the buying you have some sort of digital ownership which i think in law means that they have to have a way of giving you like you keeping it like the download from itunes into an mp3 and stuff like that i'm wondering whether there's some sort of distinction to be made there uh, there
1: definitely is and i'm not going to get into that i haven't got into that so we can talk about it if you want yeah i mean it's fascinating to me and that's what one of the reasons why i held off on streaming for so long because i hated it like the idea of Mm. it Uh, for example renaissance by beyonce i don't know if you've heard about it but like that album has been like changed four times because yeah because of like random people kicking off about samples that were approved and used fairly um fuck well
0: part of me part of me wonders whether taylor swift does all her thousands of re-releases because it's better for streaming rather than physical because if you buy a cd it's the one the one cd yeah and then a fucking deluxe comes out, and then another deluxe, and another deluxe, and then you're like, oh, for fuck's sake. Whereas with streaming, yeah. you're like, yay,
1: new songs. That's also a fair point. Like, that's a really interesting way to just, like, reconsider ep- uh, our episode on Taylor Swift's masters briefly. If we were just mm. in the sales age and, and somehow magically, like, sharing files over the internet didn't really work with music, I don't get that, but let's mm. just theorise it, would she bother? <laughs> Yeah. Because like all of our fans that already have the CDs, yeah, there's going to be like a trickle of you know new people wanting the CDs, but like everyone's already got the CDs, it's over. Yeah, you still get your songwriter like checks from radio play. Would you bother? That's I don't mm-hmm. I don't know if you would, but because of streaming and it's a constant. <laughs> yeah constant drip of money but we're not there yet so um like it's a constant drip of money so it's it's more valuable for taylor swift in the streaming era to re-record yeah wow yeah um okay where was i at ah yeah okay (laughs) so clearly streaming has devalued music So, it devalued it, in my opinion, as soon as it launched. So, just considering 2009, here's Spotify, this new thing. For the price of roughly 12 to 24 albums a year, depending on what albums you would buy, in theory, you now have access to pretty much every album ever. Um, I think there's an interesting consideration to be made here. It's not really part of my main thrust of my argument. But streaming probably did change who paid how much money so plenty of people Mm -hmm. like i guess we both know plenty of people like this like probably would only have bought like three or four albums a year but now they're effectively buying 12 albums per year through streaming you know through their streaming i think i've only got
0: one album a year
1: (laughs) yeah exactly um, but the obvious downside is that plenty of people will have bought like a hell of a lot more albums and are now paying substantially less money than that number of albums. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Um. With the subscription price being kept constant over the past 14 years, naturally streaming <laughs> services have devalued music even more over time. And this situation is even more extreme now shown by so many albums now definitely being priced above the £9.99 monthly subscription price. Furthermore, Mm -hmm. now that we're all used to streaming and have adapted our behaviour, many of us are probably now more likely to be consuming more than an album's worth of new material every month, you know? Because we're like, we've adapted and we're used to just like, oh, just listen to any full song at any time. Yeah, Um. Yeah, so what thoughts do you have about this?
0: <laughs> I think it's really interesting because it kind of pulls on that, what I was saying earlier with the whole, like, I I listen to a much more diverse mm-hmm. range of music than I would have with, like, my Lily Allen CDs, <laughs> The Vamps and um, Feckin. Uh, who else did I really like? I can't remember. Emma Blackery. Um, <laughs> those are, like, the three albums that I own uh, uh-huh. in physical form. And oh, and Madonna's "Hard Hard Candy" was it? Oh, the one with "Hung um, Up" on it.
1: Yes, Ooh, an album tune. Oh yeah, it's technically my mom's, but still. <laughs> you commandeered it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I made many Lego music videos with that in the background. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's it's changed how we discover music and appreciate different types of music because there's. So many artists I would never, ever have found without the, like, the algorithm and scrolling through New Music Friday and new releases and the similar artist pages. Like, I do really abuse every feature on Spotify that I can to find new stuff because that's what I want. I don't like listening to the same stuff over and over. Like, I haven't listened to Rena's album in months. And after her Glastonbury set, it was really nice to bring that back up which I have got a physical copy of, but it's mainly for the wall. Mm, oh, um, yeah.
1: All of my CDs are just in a display cabinet. <laughs> like, they've not... Most of them are unpackaged. No, no, not I don't unpackaged. even think my
0: computer has a CD thing anymore. Um, So, <laughs> yeah. Um, there's, there's there's definitely a part of, like... I guess you could call it innovation, <laughs> of, like, how, like, physical CDs aren't really the thing anymore. It is digital. Yeah, And the... To most people, what is the difference between like streaming it and buying it? There's there's minimal, if not like it's more convenient to stream it because everything's in one place and you can add it to playlists. Fucking love playlists, exactly. So oh, good. Yeah.
1: No, it's a and I've even noticed it like because I produce music, so like sometimes I'll try to add my songs to iTunes like before they're out and then get them on my phone mm. through Apple Music, and it is such a chew. Like I can't imagine buying music.
0: You know what yeah, I mean? And trying to integrate such, it
1: into the libraries. It's like, yeah.
0: <laughs> it seems like such... like I don't know how people pre-2009 did it. I did it no. because I just I had a very limited taste in music and I was working in radio, so I
1: needed MP3s, so I snuck them off YouTube. So. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Piracy!
1: No. Um, okay, so at this point, we've basically, if you agree with me... Um, <laughs> Established that streaming has devalued music, both just the concept of streaming devalues it, but also over time streaming Mm. companies have devalued it. Would you agree?
0: Uh, I don't know if I would, actually, but I think I'm disagreeing on on it on a ca- an anti-capitalist point of view if like, we accept i don't money. think we should be valuing music via monetary
1: forms okay if i define and de- i think valuing...
0: streaming is quite good if it wasn't tied to all these systems of
1: hell okay i i guess how i would redefine what i'm saying then is that if we consider it from a small artist's perspective then it's like about the oppression of capitalism and it's mm, about yeah. the division of resources that in this capitalist climate is like governed by the division of money. Yeah. So if I ask it, like, would you agree that streaming services have financially devalued yeah, yeah, music? Yes. Okay, cool. So now we know what streaming services get from customers, basically a 10 or a month per customer. So now we need to ask where the money goes from here. And there's a, a really important side note to be made here, which is that I'm kind of breezing over free streaming services. So Spotify has a free model, as does Deezer, that are ad supported. And these mm-hmm. bring in much less revenue than a tenner a month. Really? Yeah, much less. Jesus. So, so you hear a tenner a month per customer. No, it's ten, a tenner a month per paying customer yeah oh yeah gosh. and that's I guess that's why like the free Spotify app is like so horrific with it's like you can't play playlists in order and stuff, yeah, yeah.
0: um, it's just not worth it for them, so they try and make it not worth it as unattractive
1: good. as possible, yeah, mm. <laughs> so when you pay your monthly fee to a streaming service, the streaming service takes a cut, okay, so they take like a percentage, mm-hmm. and then everyone's cut that goes to the streaming service is like added together and combined with the total ad revenue from their ad supported users. And then this money then goes into research, development, sales, marketing, as well as general admin costs. Uh, And it leaves behind an operating profit of around 3.4%, which then goes to shareholders and of course somewhere in this confusing list specifically for spotify comes the ceo's 7.5 million dollar check he received in 2022 <laughs> uh, i see as yeah like the diagram i looked at like it wasn't so like it didn't say like look this is what daniel ek gets but then i like google what does what does the spotify ceo get and it said 7.5 million dollars in 2022 Good fucking so who knows what i I doubt it's research and development that goes to him but like also why do they need marketing
0: they don't need marketing yeah everybody has spotify it's word of mouth you do not need to market that shit it's like mcdonald's you don't need adverts for mcdonald's anymore because people just know what it is and they will go if they feel like going to it nobody's like oh i found i'm watching this advert i'll go to mcdonald's tomorrow nobody
1: thinks like that you need to capitalism stupid yep completely agreed i hate it <laughs> um so now so okay so we've we've kind of established what slice of the pie the streaming service takes for the streaming service yeah mm-hmm. So they the, the cut that they take for themselves um so in spotify's case just to put a number to that a percentage that's around 30 percent of your yeah. 10 pounds per month goes just to spotify spotify gets it and that does not go to the artist. So then, after all of that, from paying customers, this is so difficult to explain, Jacob. Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, okay. So after Spotify's taken their 30%, there's 70% left of the income from every paying customer. Okay. okay. and uh, so, so paying customer, yeah. So then everyone's remaining 70% that they've paid is basically all put into one massive pot. And then, this is a difficult sentence, but I'm going to try it. This money is then divided out to every song based on the number of streams each song received. So I've got an example here to just like try and make it a little bit simpler. So a very simple fictional example would be that after spotify takes their overall cut there are 500 million pounds in the massive pot left to divide out between all songs on their platform so if one song of mine let's call it rip got a tenth of the total streams on spotify that year that song would be allocated 50 million pounds if a song from oh. if a song from taylor swift let's call it off Got only one thousandth of the total streams on Spotify that year. That song would only be allocated half a million pounds. Now, right. obviously, there are a l- hell of a lot more songs on Spotify than this, so yeah. like no one's <laughs> getting a tenth of the total streams on Spotify. But are you yeah. following me so far? Because it is so difficult I to am. explain. I feel Oof. like
0: it's. I feel like it's the the uh, amount you get per song is going to be tiny.
1: Mm. Yeah it, it, now importantly slight deviation I've said that the song will be allocated the share this share of the money based upon streams yeah Right yeah now from here it typically goes to the owners of the master of the song so ah. again for the second time I'm going to shout out the Taylor Swift Masters episode you should like go check that out if you want more detail on on like <laughs> masters
0: capitalism here being like hi it's me i'm the problem it's me <laughs>
1: um but basically to to summarize it um, and not embed the two hours again here <laughs> um artists on record labels like really suffer because of this so they typically get quite a small percentage of the cut allocated to their song and some Jesus. artists get absolutely nothing from streaming from their cut of the money. Oh, are
0: well, they paid? Yeah, like, because they st-
1: before. They, Yet yeah, they still haven't paid back their cash advance oh. that the record label gave them in their contract. <laughs> yeah. So, so this is one rare moment, and it's quite sad that we have to celebrate by juxtaposing ourselves to like people who are just suffering even worse, even more. <laughs> but independent mm. artists who are typically smaller usually have a better time with this. Because they normally own their own masters. So independent artists just share their music to streaming services via distributors, most of whom charge some sort of a subscription model for uploading, whether that be like a flat annual fee or a one-off fee Mm. per single and album followed by a reduced subscription later. Um, But the basic point is that independent artists often see a much higher proportion of the money allocated to their songs oh compared to artists on record labels so briefly referring to myself like after spotify and apple take their cut i get everything yeah whereas like people on record labels might get like a tenth, or or nothing. or or nothing yeah um okay so here's where things get a little dark or f- or fun depending on how you want to look at it <laughs> when the money is divided up by the total number of streams how much is a stream worth Jacob? do you have any idea? Ah! oh no oh
0: god. i'm sat here there's grinning. gotta be so many songs and so many things <laughs> on these oh my god and oh, it's gonna be something like 0.000123 percent
1: of like penny okay it's actually a lot better than that
0: oh thank god for that but it's
1: still not good uh, so yeah so it varies between streaming services but basically per stream of a song as counted by streaming it for 30 seconds or longer tidal pays 1.3 cents apple pays one cent spotify the bitches uh only pay 0.33 cents Oh, Spotify, Uh, Jesus. uh, Sorry, sorry to Spotify, though. I don't want to single you out. YouTube music and Amazon music are similarly crap. I don't have those numbers on me, but... (laughs) (laughs) They're so small, there's no numbers to calculate. (laughs) Nobody uses It rounds to zero. (laughs) Nobody uses
0: YouTube music because YouTube is free and you can listen to the songs on there.
1: Interestingly, though, that's probably part of what devalues it. Similarly, a Spotify's number...
0: Mm. interesting.
1: No, wait. On Spotify, the ad revenue goes straight to Spotify. So it doesn't devalue Spotify's number. Spotify's mm. number is from paying customers only. Because all of yeah. the free customers don't earn anything for the artist.
0: Does anybody actually pay for YouTube music? I really struggle to think if anybody I would. can't
1: imagine it. No,
0: I wouldn't pay for
1: it. No, no. <laughs>
0: It's not the right kind of platform
1: for No, it. no, completely agree. Um, so, yeah, what's your reaction to that immediately? Because you thought it would be like a lot less than that. But it is like a decent yeah. amount. Well, it's not decent. Ugh, yeah, I don't know. It's <laughs> small. It's small, yeah. Okay, so, okay. Okay, so now I think I'm going to change your mind on this and okay. make you like really agree that it's a pathetic amount. So we can also consider the the devaluation of music by streaming services from this perspective of money per stream. So I'm going to try and go through this slowly to make sure I don't get in a fumble. Okay, consider a 99 pence track on iTunes, okay, like the standard price for a single song, and compare that to Spotify's stream payouts today. So, if 30% of that 99p payment goes to iTunes, we're left with around 70p that goes to the owner of that song. Yeah? So, I'm using 30% because that's the cut that Spotify takes. So, let's assume iTunes take the same cut. So, on Spotify, a song must be played... Two hundred and sixty nine times for that song to be allocated the same amount of money as if it were purchased. <laughs> oh, for
0: fuck's so sake. do
1: you think that that's a reasonable number of streams to equate to like a purchase of a song?
0: Uh, no, because <laughs> I don't actually think anybody's ever listened to a song that many times. No,
1: like, I think my... F- Ten,
0: my- Maybe. 10 could be like, okay, I like this enough that I would buy it. 10 streams equals the same as buying it, maybe. I don't know. Something like that. And then
1: how many songs (laughs) in the past would you kind of, like, buy? Like, because I I frequently got, like, iTunes vouchers or gift cards. Yeah, gift cards for, like, birthdays and stuff.
0: This is the interesting thing. I really didn't get into music until i had streaming because Uh i had so many more options Uh like i wouldn't just buy songs i'd just ignore music completely
1: Uh, you see like when i get these gift cards like i think with every gift card i got there would be one song where i would buy it and i'd be like i fucked up i don't like it anymore you know and that was (laughs) 99p that went went away yeah and like, I I might have listened to it like five times, you know, L- like, and the fact that the range of it, well, we, we assume both of us and agree that the range of listens to a purchased song probably doesn't reach 270, but like can New. go as low as like five or 10. Like, yeah, clearly streaming is underpaying. Yes. Yeah. So, now we get into the juicy bit where I completely expose myself on the podcast. <laughs> so, uh, So, just as a precursor, this is all about me. I'm a producer, so I do earn money from other artists, but I have completely separated that out. So, if any artist I work for is listening, don't worry, this has <laughs> nothing to do with your finances. It's just about mine as an individual artist. So I'm going to be very transparent and talk about my own earnings through streaming services as a small artist. So so for some context, I have been putting music on streaming services since August 2018. And I have had an annual charge of $35.99 from my distributor, Distrokid. I have paid this five times now, coming to a total cost of $179.95 okay so jacob please don't worry about offending me how much money do you think i as a solo artist have made from streaming services so like from all of my releases that are like my artist releases since i started uploading music in 2018
0: oh my god
1: and you can give it in dollars or pounds because i have both i came prepared
0: Oh my God! You've got buttons. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let me just check something.
1: Ooh, okay. You're you're gonna try hard to get this right, aren't you? Uh,
0: see, I have, I know somebody else, uh uh-huh. who releases stuff on Spotify, and have a rough idea of what they make.
1: Oh, so okay. That's you. Um, it's kind of an awkward question because i'm asking like my effectively my lifetime earnings from streaming services and obviously okay so this is your lifetime one yeah so i've got like obviously like the albert uh, the ep i released in august 2018 has got like five years but then unspeakable things has only got ten eight months worth of streams you get me so it's and kind of an...
0: Toys has like an annual 10 listens from me. Ah.
1: Very um. proud.
0: <sighs> okay. Let me have a look at this bit as well. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I Drum think roll, I'm gonna say I feel like it's either gonna be way too high or way too low. I'll be
1: fine. Don't worry. Is it about a thousand.
0: Is that really hard? Oh my god!
1: <laughs> I'm not even going to bother asking what currency you meant. <laughs> okay, so I have earned a total of ninety three dollars eighty cents. No. Currently sat at seventy three pounds eighty from streaming service. No. Yeah. That that's oh my it. God. Um, and that if you're interested, equates to 0.43 cents per stream. (laughs) Um, No. But here's the thing. You have to take into account my outgoings, which over the five years have been $179.95. So I've actually made a loss of $86.15 or £67.64 over the past five years. No. Now, I know that I'm by no means a big artist, so this really isn't a woe is me moment but like i think that this really like gets across just how difficult it is for like a small independent artist who's trying to make a career for themselves mm-hmm. like yeah oh, yes so do you have anything to say about that <laughs> it's
0: far too fucking low is the first thing um This whole thing is fucked. Yeah, um, but I want to be a little. Oh, I, re- I was. Oh, I was really hoping yours would be like at least like five hundred. <laughs> I was hoping you'd be like five hundred, and I was like, okay, I mean, the good
1: thing that I mean, the good oh. thing for me is that I produce music, and that yeah. I mean, okay, my cor- okay. I can say I can say this because this doesn't really say anything about anyone I work with. Um, my current rate would earn me more than 3 times my lifetime earnings as an artist on streaming services.
0: Yeah, that that checks. But
1: then it's just horrible because it's like like the artists should be making that much money too. Yeah, everyone yeah. should be let's all make money. You know, <laughs> let's all live happy lives, you know, and let's kick money into the tall grass yeah. and
0: never think about it again. But
1: you know what I mean? It's like everyone should be able to Make a living with these, mm. or no? Make a living again. Ugh! I hate capitalist language and how deeply ingrained it is. <laughs> Everyone should be able know, to a lead a comfortable life, and I mean comfortable. I think that's like, one
0: of the positive arguments about UBI. Is yeah,
1: like you could
0: make things without
1: the, the threat of. Stuff. I agree completely. Um. So. So I do want to say something positive about streaming with small artists.
0: If I just put, like, your songs on a loop forever, would that, like, help? You'd get caught out. If I, like, made a playlist of just sevens and then just kept it going 24-7, <laughs> Some pe- would it, like, clock
1: me? It, it, yeah, it probably would. And actually, like, sometimes it works badly where and it backfires and, like, the songs are removed. Oh, shit. Yeah. Like, because they can track your, your streaming habits and, like, they know what human streaming looks like. So no one knows quite where the line. Oh, are. Mine doesn't look like human <laughs> streaming. <laughs> <laughs> it, mine's
0: autistic. It means I find one song and then play it on repeat for about seven hours and then get bored
1: of it. Oh, my goodness. I wonder <laughs> if it cuts you off then. Because at some point it, it doesn't be. count streams. I, I, I think I remember this. Like at some point it's just like, no, you've just got it on so the So now
0: we've realized Spotify is ableist as well. As shit.
1: Oh, oh god. Um Yeah. Um so on that note it feels a little bit awkward to go on and say that streaming has been helpful to small artists.
0: <laughs> but that... No, I can totally see but that's that. Where we're at. I can totally see that. Um, yeah. Because of the way I discover things is completely like I wouldn't I don't know if I'd be as into music as I was if it wasn't for streaming because of the amount of diversity that I can find. Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't have found you without social media and streaming.
1: I mean, actually, to be honest, I think I'm just going to skip over this paragraph because you've hit the nail on the head, like, allows you to discover more, support them in other ways in the future, wouldn't have happened on this scale before the internet, blah, blah, blah. I think you've got all that already. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) But... (laughs) There are some unique problems for small artists caused by streaming services and the internet. Um, yes. So we've kind imagine. of just, we, we're kind of detouring from the whole financial angle for a, a little bit, although it's obviously still yeah, yeah. intertwined with finances. But it's just the nature of this music industry. <laughs> um, but before streaming, yeah. people obviously tended to buy albums, and especially like pre internet, you know, you didn't have much of a choice. Yep. So, like, let's say, like, People go into a pub on an open mic night, and there's like a small local artist oh, yeah. there. And then what do they have? They've got that basket of the, the cute little self-made CDs, you know, where they print out the out al- printed out the album covers themselves and like chop them up and yeah. like slid it in. Aww. Yeah. And then people, yeah, if people like that local artist, they're gonna buy those albums, as well as the big ticket name albums that they like. You you know,
0: yeah. so.
1: Mm -hmm. But now people subscribe an album's price a month to streaming services and they they might discover this local artist in the pub, but they're not going to buy the album anymore. They might stream the album from this local artist, this small artist. But when pulled in the billions of streams that streaming services get, this small local artist won't get anything close to that album sale they would have made before streaming. Mm. So there's there's something about, like, the ratios of it going on. Um, yeah. I do want to briefly side note our detour. Whew, we're really going on, like, a, a curvy road here. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but, like, yeah, so as a side note, I do have to highlight the counter. Like, platforms like Bandcamp... Like, uh,
0: oh, I was wondering when uh, they were going to come like, up.
1: Like, there are internet platforms which mean that people from around the world can now choose to su- support small artists and pay for their creation specifically rather than just adding their streams of a small artist to the ocean of streams
0: um i was wondering how how positively you thought about bandcamp because i really like the um the way that it works or seems to I work mean, yeah. the way you can listen to the music without buying it and then when you've got the money, you can chuck them a fiver and yeah. stuff and add it to your collections. And it's a really nice app as well. Yeah. It's really solid. It's 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 a good little service, I
1: think. Yeah, and I think that the whole pay what you want thing is also really smart yeah, I because like I think it's an explicit acknowledgement of what the platform is meant to do. And it's kind of an explicit yeah. acknowledgement of like, the problem with streaming and what it's done to smaller artists financially. So I Mm. I think that that's really cool. Um, Yeah, and I'm, you know, I have people that support me on Bandcamp and I'm incredibly grateful for them. Um, But the important thing I'd like to highlight is that, like, this, you know, these nice uh, charitable or, like, kind acts by supporting local artists on Bandcamp and stuff, they're a choice, yeah. But pre streaming, pre internet, like if you like that local artist's music, you would have to buy the album. You know, it would yeah. be it wouldn't be a choice if you wanted that music. You'd have to buy the album and give that artist the money, whereas now it's just a choice. So so like people on lower incomes. Well, yeah, they can just stream it on Spotify and I'm not criticizing that mm-hmm. at all. That's reasonable and fair for for them yeah. to just stream it <laughs> but it it just yeah it's it's different. Bandcamp is different how it was before. And it's yeah. not as good. But it's still mm. it's still great. Like I, I yeah, I think it's awesome. Um yeah and then my other point that's kind of peripheral about small artists is that the devaluation of music by streaming services now means that the more substantial amounts of money come from other areas that remain more restrictive so uh merchandise collectors items touring so like although streaming services have allowed small artists to be accessible to the whole world that accessibility comes without any increased likelihood of small artists becoming financially stable through their art because you get less money and then it's like okay well how do i make more money uh merch oh shit, like I need to print 10 t-shirts and I'm probably only going to sell five. Yeah, Mm. Yeah, whereas like a record label would... Yeah. So, yeah. um, (laughs) What do you think about that?
0: Hell. Hell.
1: Yeah. Hell. And and now we can briefly touch on algorithms. Ah. So it doesn't stop at these points of like comparing before and after streaming when it comes to attacking small artists, basically, or making their lives worse. Now Spotify is actually actively targeting small artists with their new discovery mode. So artists can now opt in. You know, it's consensual. It's only if you want to. Bullshit. Artists can now opt in to pay 30% of the royalties they receive from their music played through Spotify's autoplay and radio features in order to selectively promote their music on Spotify's recommendation algorithm in the discovery feed.
0: Oh my God. So you can
1: pay almost a third of your third of a cent (laughs) to basically skip the fucking queue and be prioritised in their algorithm. Like they literally have a fucking variable. Like, that's how it'll work, isn't it? They'll have a fucking variable <laughs> that says, did they pay us a third of their streaming revenue? Yes. Ah, oh, okay. Boom. fume <fewm>. Up the list you go. What? Yeah. So
0: in a... Yeah. This is real capitalist thinking. Yes. Like, you turn it on to be discovered, and then once you're big enough, you can turn it off.
1: Yeah. That's what and they're then, thinking.
0: But that's not how shit yeah,
1: works. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah. Like, it... it the way I put it in my notes is that it's another typical capitalist race to the bottom because theoretically Spotify just wants to get a third of everyone's fucking streaming revenue (laughs) and then a third of the third that they were already taking and two thirds if you will and then everyone will be in just as bad of a position as before you know if everyone pays to get higher up this algorithm recommendation
0: then nobody's yeah, then nobody's higher. It's just how it Nobody's
1: works. higher up, but everyone everyone's getting less money apart from fucking Daniel Ek. So it
0: almost relies on people not doing it for it to have any value to the people that do.
1: Yeah, so anyone And the more people yeah, that so, do it, yeah, the are oh Yeah, anyone God. paying for any anyone paying out there who might be listening, paying a third or 30% or whatever it was of their of their Spotify streaming revenue you can thank me because I'm not fucking doing it. (laughs) I'm not paying that third. (laughs) I will happily be at the bottom. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So that concludes kind of streaming and small artists. Um, I have a section about solutions, but I'd like to pause here to ask you, what have you thought then? We've, We've now seen how it goes from, we've now kind of followed the finances through from the customer through the streaming service to the artist so what are your thoughts in general (laughs) call me
0: radical (laughs) but nationalize spotify
1: oh my god
0: i think running spotify as a public good as like music as a way to share music internationally with however many people are willing to listen uh and integrate like maybe using some of the like good bits band camps yeah support artists that you really like send money their way by their merch um there's so there's so much potential here but the way capitalism restricts everyone into their ways of thinking they just think of it as um money flowing to the top and to shareholders Um, if you removed shareholders, you removed the CEO, you removed all the weird shit like marketing, you could have a really good service that is a public good. Yeah. I mean, there are much more pressing things that need to be made public goods. (laughs) Yeah. But on this podcast, we are talking about streaming right now. Exactly. And I think that would be a public good if we we made it into something like that. yeah and i also think that like
1: capitalism also like because it obviously encourages this like work hard and hard work creates success
0: i'd argue capitalism does the opposite (laughs) yeah (laughs) me
1: too but it like it gives a lot of people this impression of like like it pretends
0: that hard work is meant to give you good things. like if they
1: heard me if they listen to this podcast, if a, capit- if a capitalist listens to our podcast, hi, how, how well are done. you? Well this is...
0: <laughs> Would you like to give me money whilst I <laughs> hold this gun to you? No. <laughs>
1: um, <laughs> oh, you got me. If they listen to, like, how much money I've earned over my lifetime on streaming services, they're like, yeah, you're just not good enough, though.
0: You didn't work hard
1: enough. <laughs> <laughs> you should work harder or... Maybe you're just not skilled enough or talented enough to be successful, so maybe you should stop doing it and consider doing something else with your life. You know, when it
0: you should work in McDonald's. It's not like
1: that. It's really not like that. It's no. Yeah, um, yeah. So I guess you've you've transitioned us nicely to, into talking about solutions. One potential mm. solution that has been proposed is user centric streaming. Have you heard of this?
0: no I haven't okay
1: so and I'm intrigued. so as a brief reminder, currently everyone's money after the streaming service has taken their cut goes into one massive pot that's then divided up into you know divided out to each song determined by each song streams. user-centric mm-hmm. streaming says that this should happen on an individual level yeah. so for example, this should clear it up if I only stream, foreshadowing the music room here invisible freak by bobby marks for one whole month and that is the only song i listen to after spotify's taken their 30 percent cut all of the remainder of my payment should go to that song
0: oh so currently it doesn't no
1: maybe i didn't make it clear enough earlier on shit <laughs> um, it, it goes into this massive pot oh so the pot is completely Global.
0: devoid. So the pot is nothing to do with what you've streamed. So me streaming like Rena Sawayama 17,000 times isn't go- it's It all goes to the pot that then yep. gets weirdly distributed. That's so fucking uh, weird. So
1: a good way of consider. Okay. Yeah, okay, right. I'm going off the cuff here. Off-piste. Wish me luck. <laughs> um, <laughs> so like a good example for this would be the way that it currently works is... If I stream Invisible Freak 20,000 times and you stream Sunlight by Sevens one time. Yeah. And we're the only two subscribers on this streaming service. Okay. Okay. (laughs) The way it currently works now is that our streams will so let's say our combined financial money to go to the artists is 20 quid. Currently, the way it works is that our streams will be added together into this massive pot. So it will say there have been 20,001 streams this month. Um, So now we need to divide that £20 evenly per streams. So so invisible freak would get pretty much £19.99. And oh my sunlight by me would get like less than a penny. I'm not good with quick maths. But so
0: the rest of my money has gone to the person I didn't listen to because yeah. they had more streams. Yes, yeah.
1: because it's I all get, about yeah. the global pot. We don't all have an individual pot. We pay it in. Oh, that's yeah. so. Stupid. So it doesn't consider like what an individual is paying for or anything.
0: That's absolutely batshit insane. It's the most capitalist way of doing anything I've ever And it's kind
1: heard. of, like, sickening, isn't it? Because you think that it's like, well, I'm streaming this artist, so I'm supporting them. So
0: all of the artists that I've been streaming are not seeing my money, basically. I
1: mean, <laughs> they are.
0: Kanye West is. I mean,
1: they are seeing your money, but perhaps... Well, I don't know. Okay, right. I'm going to park this here because it'll come up in a minute or two. Okay. Um. So basically... Yeah, so user centric streaming says we all have our individual part. So Yeah. Yeah, like if I if I paid nine pounds ninety nine for that month to stream my own song Unspeakable Things once, so like my monthly thing was one stream, and that's effectively what I'd paid to do that month, then that one stream would be worth all of my money. And all of that money I would see. go to the artist. So it's purely Everyone has their own individual part. That's... That makes much more sense. Definitely on a moral level, I think. Like, it sounds yeah. much more fair. Like, it makes you feel a little happier to imagine that. <laughs> At least me. It does. <laughs> um, plot twist. Oh I used to be a massive proponent of this. And I've heard about this for, like, a year or so now. And I was like, yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. Um. And I thought that it was an answer to the problem. Um, And on Mm. a moral level, I do still prefer it. But there was a study done in France which looked at Deezer's data because Deezer is a streaming service that switched from this old way of doing things to user-centric streaming. So they made that switch and that... So everything we've talked about in the past 10 minutes, Deezer did the switch. Um. And this study found that it had a minimal impact on small and middle-sized artists and that beyond the 10,000th most listened to artist, the impact of switching would only be a few euros per year per artist. (laughs) They explained that some niche genres like jazz and classical would substantially gain in revenue by like 20%. But saturated mainstream genres like hip hop or I don't know what I make <laughs> would see a substantial <laughs> fall <laughs> in revenue. Oh, my God. So we would get fucking less, even less. Yeah. <laughs> now, I can't. No. <laughs> I can't. How can it be worse? I can't. I just can't. Yeah. It's so annoying, isn't it? Because on a mar- like when you hear it, you're like, that makes sense. And it does make sense on a moral level, I think.
0: Oh, the rug
1: pull. <laughs> um, yeah, Now it gets it gets a little bit worse from here. So I can't oh, remember Jesus, where I worse. saw it, so I don't have a source for it, sadly. Oh yeah, by the way, there are a couple sources for this episode, so I guess Jacob will link them in the description. Description? Send them to me. Yeah. Yes. Um yeah, so I, but I don't have a source for this, which is a great way to introduce the fact that I have attempted at sourcing this mm. episode. Um yeah, so I can't remember where I saw it, but I think I read somewhere uh, someone also making an argument that it would specifically be bad for small artists to switch to user centric streaming. Mm not just making a minimal few year few euros per year difference but like user centric streaming might specifically harm small artists because and i think you'll be able to relate to this those open to listening to small artists probably listen to a lot of small artists <laughs> and and listen to a lot of varied music so so oh. so basically like people who listen to small artists are probably likelier to be high-consumption listeners. So obviously this means that, like, because you, under user-centric streaming, you have your own pot of money that's divided out by streams. But if you're a high-consumption listener, that means you might be dividing out that £7 that's left over from your subscription to, like, 300 songs from small artists or, like, Shit. so many different small artists and songs that they actually get less than 0.33 cents per stream from you. Oh, my God. Yep. Um, yeah. So, uh, so like, user-centric streaming, which is being touted as this massive solution to make people to make music more of a viable career path for people under capitalism, could actually push more people out of the industry.
0: Maybe it shouldn't be about careers.
1: (laughs) Yeah, maybe we should just be allowed to make music and allowed to live.
0: Maybe it shouldn't cost money to live.
1: (laughs) Um, So briefly, there are some core things that can be done outside of user-centric streaming, like raising the price of these streaming services by inflation annually. So at the very least, music isn't devalued even more financially. But fundamentally... In my opinion, streaming is fucked. So, Jacob, what do you think? Do you you have any ideas or thoughts about about streaming, capitalism, small artists, suffering, generalised pain? (laughs) Suffering. Suffering. Um,
0: Yes. Okay. I think... I think... My original thesis of nationalise the feckers um, is, is my, my go-to one. Yo, yo. It's editing, Jacob. Just popping up here to say I'm a bit quiet because my brain be processing all of the the stuff Kieran said. And so my answers are a bit sort of like the <laughs> kind for a little bit, but this will pick up.
1: I mean, perhaps another way of looking at this through like capitalism is just kind of like maybe streaming doesn't need fixing you know what i mean like if if we renationalized all the like essentials universal basic income oh i see like, yeah like do i give a shit that i get point th- point well seventh personally gets point 43 cents a stream so ooh, get me <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's across all streaming services though obviously but like would i give a shit that i got point 43 cents a stream if like I could live comfortably. I. It's definitely an interesting It's like, maybe that's this. another argument. It's just like, it doesn't matter. We just need to focus on like. Maybe it shouldn't cost
0: money to fucking yeah. live.
1: I, I, I literally only reached this conclusion, like chatting about it with you though, because I feel like throughout oh. this episode, you've been a lot more resistant to like the the like core principles I was going over, and I think that that was really valuable. That the like constant push against it has kind of led to this novel conclusion.
0: Now, don't call me a radical for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> um, it,
1: so, I do have like a written conclusion. Okay, go for it. So, so yeah, I wasn't really expecting to feel the way I I did. Like recording this podcast as I did when I first had the idea to go into this as a topic, because I actually, how naive am I, had hope for the future of streaming. (laughs) And like I'd heard about user centric streaming, and I was like, oh my God, that makes so much sense. That's going to be so good for the little guy. (laughs) But sadly, I've come to the conclusion that the streaming age is simply a microcosm of capitalism as a whole. The rich get richer, the poor get poorer. Most of the rich people with a horse in the game lobby to ensure that the game remains fixed in their favor. So something I didn't touch on in this was uh, like record labels always are making deals with the streaming services. Of course. And like, oh, yeah, so, like. <laughs> so they have substantial like bargaining power. Which, yeah, might, which is going to influence things in the favour of, like, the big artists that are on these record labels. Yeah. And some of the rich people like to put on a performative dance about changing things for the better. You know, like user-centric mm. streaming. When, in reality, all they want to do is distract the poor with a hopeless cause that won't help them in the slightest. Um Yeah, so...
0: I think Deezer is a really good example of that because when you said that they had tried it, I was like, they wouldn't have tried that unless they knew it wasn't really going to do yeah.
1: much. But then it's like they can they can do this whole, like, look how great we are. We do... Song and dance yeah, we time. do user-centric streaming and SoundCloud does it too for their, like, pro things. Oh, do they? Yeah, like, so everyone's going to make a song and dance about this and, you know, maybe in 10 years, Spotify's, like announcing like we're going to start trialing user-centric streaming and you know what i mean like once they've had some bad
0: press they'll suddenly be like user-centric streaming streaming. quick like this could
1: could still be used as like this thing to delude small (laughs) artists into thinking that things can get better for them on streaming in like 15 years time you know what i mean because it's such I a think, slow I burner. I think that's the point. Yeah, though, exactly. Isn't it? I
0: think that's that's capitalism's long game is just giving you constant little drip feeds of like this could get really good and then yeah. you can make a career. Whereas capitalism is the the fucking problem. I mean, like when I wrote, why <laughs> <Yeah>. didn't <laughs> I did not go for Rami?
1: Like, like as I said, like it's You're like, like a microcosm of like capitalism as a whole. You know, and especially the point mm. I make with like distracting the poor with a hopeless cause that won't help them in the slightest. Like, does anyone Mm. hear the word Brexit echoing in the fucking background? But yeah, like, all in all, I would say my conclusion is that small artists run in a hamster wheel whose entrance is locked by the rich people who harvest the profits. Yeah. So, do you have any final thoughts? I think
0: final thoughts is Spotify and streaming services in general are, like, an internet-based thing. There's not much in the way of real stuff so it can't cost that much okay servers etc i'm not an expert probably a couple of thousand a month to run a massive fucking server but like the infrastructure exists for you to run that in relative terms quite cheaply and so there's a lot of like with capital it's, it's, it's a bit like the bullshit jobs phenomenon really it's like there's all this like extra fluff like marketing and development yeah. and okay maybe a bit of development is is a good thing like updating uis and different oh, things yeah. of this nature um but realistically a lot of the stuff that they do is just unnecessary as with most of capitalism yep. it's just empty jobs people sitting at desks that don't need to be sitting at desks because yeah. everybody is needs a job apparently because that's human productivity oh, yeah. <laughs> it's it's just i feel like you could run it on the cheap and it still be good yeah. and running it this way is just hyper capitalist I
1: mean, here's here's also another interesting side note and this would be a fun future deep dive topic spotify versus put it in the notes. <laughs> spotify versus apple But for this episode, all I want to say is that there is a subdomain of Spotify.com, or at least there was, just basically slandering Apple and saying dumb bullshit that wasn't really true. And (laughs) to anyone who subscribes to Spotify Premium or uses free Spotify and, you know, listens to ads, part of your money went into that. And I think when you think of it like that, That can piss anyone off because it's like, I'm paying for this to listen to music, not for you to like wage some irrelevant war with a rival streaming service.
0: Oh, yeah. And the way that Spotify Studios has fucking Joe (laughs) Rogan on there now, it's it's like, yeah, you could run this on the cheap and the way that they're dolling out money to weird, like pseudo conservative podcasts is...
1: Or yeah. also just irrelevant people with massive sums of wealth. I mean, if you make me pick a side, I am Team Harry and Meghan, but they got the podcast what? deal. Why? No, go away. you don't... Wait, did I have a podcast? Well, it, uh, I think Megan did. Yeah, it, they've cancelled it now though, because apparently it wasn't successful. Of course. So, what yeah. on
0: earth were they going to talk about? Oh, I'm really. I mean, rich. You can only
1: tell the same story so many times, can't you? <sighs> yeah. <laughs> So
0: we're coming at that like royal family drama from the side of I'm fucking bored, uh-huh. <laughs> whereas other people are like I hate oh, them. Yeah. I hate what they did to the Queen. Oh, yeah, they oh, killed yeah. her. She would uh-huh. not be dead if it was not for them. <laughs> Baby, looking in the wrong place. It was Truss all over uh-huh. That handshake of death was coming. Liz
1: Truss just gave a little.
0: <laughs> <And> she <laughs> she <went> killed in... <laughs> the Queen, tanked the economy, and then got a job for life.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah, Liz Truss is really the true queen. And also, isn't that she is the definition of the boss? Bitch. That is how it worked in the past, though, isn't it? You know what I mean? If you killed, if you killed the queen, you would be, you would become queen. Oh my god, yeah! So, actually, the true heir. She is the true heir to the throne. Fucking hell!
0: Penny Morden should have been swinging swords at Liz Truss rather than Charles. Well, that would have been
1: a plot twist if Penny Morden genuinely swings the sword, kills Liz Truss. And then says, nah, it's my turn now, bitches. That would have been. (laughs) The
0: reign of Morden
1: begins. (laughs) Bow down, (laughs) bitches. (laughs) Oh, God.
0: (laughs) Wow, this got unhinged real quick, and I love it.
1: Oh, yeah, me too. They'd all be, like, too busy, like, putting the fence posts up their asses, just sitting there trying to, like, you know, balance. And then they'd, they'd be oh, dead. come, come kiss, storm and this fence is getting
0: progressively further oh, my arse. <laughs> oh, God. I can't move. Help.
1: <laughs> I don't know how we got to this point, really. We, no, like, stayed, I don't, I don't, I do we not stayed so firmly on topic. And then it, I'm proud of us. And now Penny Morden is usurping Liz Truss, who's usurping King King Charles to assume the throne. <laughs>
0: or whilst kissed, a deep throats a ball.
1: <laughs> I mean, if 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 you sit on the fence, but it ends up coming out the other end, does that still count as deep throwing?
0: Yeah, it's so <laughs> deep it came in the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> it's so deep is that physically possible i feel
1: like it might be i guess it depends the acceleration you're approaching at it with kick Kier- <laughs> and does really love sitting on a fence so you never know
0: i think <laughs> we should move to the music swiftly clip.
1: swiftly <laughs> very swiftly <laughs>
0: I'm going to kick off the Music Room this week because I feel like it. This is Rose Grey, Happiness, the gayest thing I have heard in
1: weeks. Oh, yeah. I really loved this one when I listened. It's very camp.
0: I feel like you could Vogue really well to it this. It makes
1: me think of like one of those VHS, like 1980s footages of like gay clubs in New York and stuff.
0: Yes. It's very that. Oh my God, yes. It's also giving a bit of Eurovision. Oh,
1: yeah. Kind of like because of you a I little felt energy. felt yeah, uh, yep.
0: I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, I was like, "This has that energy. This definitely does."
1: So, my first recommendation for the month is Bobby Mark's "Invisible Freak." I think I heard a teaser for it first at the end of last month. I can't really remember, but I think I was like very quickly like, "Oh, that's going to be great." I think I think I actually added it to the music our music room list that we have on our shared document. Before it was released. Ah. Oh, because wow. Because I was like, I heard the snippet, which is the chorus, and I was like, nah, I'm definitely going to love this.
0: It's great. I have
1: listened to the full thing, just to clarify, and I do love it. But <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, I did it. I was listening in the library yesterday. Oh,
1: my. That is, that is wild. I can't imagine that. In <laughs>
0: I listened to all your songs in the library
1: yesterday. <laughs> oh oh, that entertains me so much because of that other (laughs) song oh yeah okay (laughs) and what's your next recommendation Uh,
0: my next recommendation is from sweden the place that knows how to make good pop music Uh. 19 year old singer-songwriter uh helsing uh, the track is When the Shadows Go Home. I really love a good sing-along moment. I love yeah. a bit of Swedish pop energy, and I'm a big fan of storytelling. I relate to this song. When I relate to a song, I usually love it. Hence why I'm recommending this for this month. I
1: thought it was really pretty. Yeah,
0: very... It is pretty, actually. Yeah,
1: very singer-songwriter energy. Yeah. I didn't
0: realise he was that young. I thought he was <laughs> a lot older from the sound of his voice, but I, didn't, I don't know, 19, uh-huh. still
1: a child. Yeah, and a lot more music to come, hopefully, in that case. Yes, I, he's
0: already released a new one, which is currently on my playlist. Oh, but well. this one felt like the one I needed to recommend to get people in. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah, so so my second recommendation is a song that had me absolutely crying yesterday because I was so happy. <laughs> Bonnie McKee has finally released her song Slay. Um, so she like performed this live... Around ten years ago, and it was meant to be her second oh single god. after "American Girl." You know that one?
0: Oh my god! Really? It was meant to be
1: her second single. Apparently, the CEO of the record label called her up and said, "I'm not actually sure anymore." Oh. So then, basically, she left the record label. People have pestered her for years. So she's, so, and she also had an awkward situation where even though her record label wouldn't release her album, they would, they were like going to charge her an extortionate amount to buy the masters. Well, oh, for fuck's so, sake, not So again. inspired by Taylor Swift, this is actually a re-recorded version, but what? it's, it's just, it's just such a fun, happy, positive song. And, and like, I was sat at my desk. I like, I got a New Zealand VPN. Just because I couldn't wait till midnight, I could not wait till midnight. I couldn't focus. I was supposed to be doing mastering work for a client. Uh, sorry, by the way, if you're listening. Uh, <laughs> but for 45 minutes, I just sat there. I couldn't. I couldn't focus. I needed to hear it finally. Um yeah, and I I like yeah I shed a tear because it like it really relate it like it teleported me to my 15 year old self. And I was just imagining like him sat there doing his homework, listening to like the live performance on YouTube, like really shitty quality. (laughs) And I was like, God, he would be so fucking happy if he knew. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Because this only came out on the day of recording. So I haven't actually heard this Oh, really? Because I was in the library yesterday. This had not come out yet in the UK. (laughs)
1: oh so
0: i can't wait to listen to this when i add it to the things oh my
1: goodness we'll have to we'll have to linger on calls so so i can get your reaction (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so what's your next recommendation
0: mine is from slater
1: the track is called out of
0: time this sort of came out of nowhere for me um Usually what I do is I scour New Music Friday UK, which is usually a bit shit. New Music Friday Sweden, Release Radar, and whatever else uh, I can find out and about on my recommendations. This one sounded good, added it, and it has been stuck in my head for the last two, three weeks now. Uh, especially the beginning where there's just this deep voice. It's like, check the time. <laughs> um, this is American singer, bisexual uh slater and it's produced by somebody that's made a lot of kim petrus tracks which i i i heard wait, that energy instantly. wait really
1: who yeah it's not dr oh, luke i for... can tell you that much. oh my goodness i thought you were just not wanting to mention the devil by his name i was like no no
0: no Ooh. no 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 no, no, okay, no. deep breath okay. no this is produced <laughs> by andy seltzers okay <laughs> who's um worked on? Oh wait, no, this wasn't the one that did Kim Petras. Oh, worked
1: with Daya and Maggie Rogers. I, I get things. what you mean, though. When you said that, it made complete sense to me. I didn't bat an eye. I was uh, the
0: <laughs> the angle I was going at was like, if you like Kim Petras's music, but are a bit off on the Doctor Luke thing, listen to this instead because it's great. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I think it, uh, I wasn't such an immediate fan of this song. I heard it before you recommended it. Uh, it's it's a grower, oh. I would say. I think I'm I think obsessed. the chorus melody <laughs> just isn't really giving me like that bombastic thing that she can normally do and that she normally does, mm. but as a producer, I do really appreciate that the production is a lot more polished than she's had before, and that's ah, really nice. I, to I me. I've
0: not been aware of her, so this ah, is, okay. is news to me,
1: okay, so for my next recommendation, and it's taken me a couple episodes to do this but I'm going to be a little self-indulgent and recommend a song that I produced.
0: It's it, by do it, do it, do it, do it, drag it.
1: queen Tara Hole Royale, which sounds a lot naughtier if you say it with an American accent, uh, also known as The Lioness. And the song is called Breasties. And <laughs> we have been working on this song for around half a year now, I think. And wow. And when I would listen to this song, I would just always be like laughing and smiling and rapping along it has some of the most outrageous fucking absurd lyrics i've ever heard and i love them my personal favorite lyric is okay dramatic reading time stick it up i'm a measure big dicks is my pleasure it's just so (laughs) Everything it makes toys. I've never been more It makes
0: me happy to have soundproof headphones <laughs> in the library yesterday. It,
1: it makes my song Toys sound like PG. PG right It, is. <laughs> it, does, <laughs> it does. It's great. I, I can't it. imagine you listening to this in a library.
0: Oh, and it was a quiet day as well <laughs>
1: in the library. Did you turn the it volume was a quiet down? Day. Just in uh, case.
0: I, I I was listening quiet quite quietly because uh-huh uh people working but they are soundproof so i'm uh, hoping nobody overheard. Uh, <laughs> yeah i was vibing uh, <laughs> i was vibing
1: oh god uh, so what's your next recommendation
0: <laughs> oh man um my next is another one i've been meaning to bring to the podcast for a while uh-huh. now jeremy zucker lyrical mastermind i wanted to chat about him for a while now i really love his work um, All the Kids are Depressed is one of my favourites from him. Uh-huh. This one is from, like, a new sort of EP thing that he's doing called Is Nothing Sacred. Ooh. Uh, and it's called I Need You, Brackets, In My Life. And it's just a relatable, almost love-type song that I really like. That whole sort of EP, I don't, I don't even know what it's meant to be, whether it's, like, a slow-release album or something, but it's... It's got some good tracks on it, like "A Dying World," "Okay," "Internet Crush," "Cindy." All of them, fucking brilliant songs. Mm. Ten out of ten. Will recommend to a friend.
1: Again, I thought like very calm, nice, pretty.
0: I do, I do some, I do like some calmness in my music sometimes. You yeah, know? I'm very diverse. Yeah.
1: yeah, I, I liked it. Yeah, I don't have much to say about good, it. Good. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. It's there for you to listen to on our playlist. Yeah. Um, my next recommendation is Nicholas Dante, who is not yes. the same Nicholas Dante as the one I recommended a couple months ago with Picking Petals. There's two? Yes. I think there might be a different S somewhere, so apologies if like I, I've ah. forgotten, but I think they're both Nicholas Dante. Anyway, they've released their new song song for pride month called holy water and it's just like one of those like hardcore like dance tracks i just think mm-hmm. it's very cool yeah
0: this was this
1: is the highlight from yours for me i like wow this so much. okay
0: yeah i was vibing with this
1: I, I love a like kick drum bass vocal just keep it simple really electronic <laughs> and like edgy
0: yeah absolutely um my last track is from Demi Lovato. <laughs> this is like I said like you, the last track I recommended quite quite low key, quite mellow. <laughs> this is like the opposite of that. This is the duality of my music tastes because I fucking love this hard rock masterpiece. Oh, yes. It's angry, it's passionate, it's political, it's charged. Yep. It's great i love what they've done with this track and it's an important one i think it was released um to coincide a year since roe v wade being. that's what i heard yeah. Or something um and you can hear that in the lyrics and oh it's the top the top track on my playlist it, right now that's how much it's I it's great it.
1: it's so angry it's so explicit like i think the vulgarity in it like exceeds most music it makes it makes breasties look pg really um <laughs> it's just it's perfect for what yeah, it's trying exactly to do though well. but i think that that vulgarity really conveys the absolute fucking you know, ju- completely justified rage and anger at what's happening and i think absolute. it's great and the
0: lyric about like um, picture your faith, imagine your God and even your Holy Bible is suddenly banned. Do you understand? Now doesn't that sound entitled?
1: Just, ah! Oh! It's, it's great. I, I love of their rock energy they're going with now. Like, I prefer the original... Give these motherfuckers I prefer hell. the original Heart Attack, for example, but the rock version that they sing now is just so good. Like, they're really, really on a, good. Like, found the niche, you know? It takes a lot for me to like a rock song, so yeah. this
0: yeah
1: um yeah so my final recommendation is by Tob
0: to- toba oh, i've toba. him it's tober oh. it's like october but oh because he he's
1: born like... in october or something isn't he <laughs> yeah Tober. i love toba i love him so much <laughs> at least i didn't say tobra because that would have been worse you know okay <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry, sorry, Toba. I know that now. Uh, my, my final rec- recommendation is Toba's song, Star High. Just like, bubblegum, just your, sta- not in a bad way, but like your standard, up-tempo, bubblegum, hyper pop. It's great. There's like a cool backstory behind it, which I haven't read up on word for word. So apologies if I'm slightly off. But I think that Toba commissioned an artwork, like, based on his appearance or something. And then he made the song based on that commissioned artwork. And I just think that that is so cool. What a cool way to do something. And he's...
0: I think that's feckin' awesome. It's also important
1: to note he self-produces, he sings the stuff. So that's also really cool and I really relate to that. So, yeah.
0: Yes. Tova, one one of my faves, I'm always... Looking at new Toba music and being like, yes, yeah, uh my f- one, my absolute favorite of his is a track he did with, oh God, who it was it Charlie Fisher he did that with oh
1: like, oh well, um, oh no, I can't be a flop, uh three, no three words, three words yes. that's the track, yeah, I like that, one.
0: I fucking love that so much, so good, it's one of my like favorite songs, like from like any any uh, (laughs) i listen to it so often it's such a good track Uh so underrated yeah he's got much more popular songs but three words is just
1: uh, something crazy about like a lot of our recommendations this week for me i was thinking it specifically with uh invisible freak it's like if Mm -hmm. like pick any one of the 10 songs i feel like if it was released by like a mainstream artist it would be charting like any 10 of them oh yeah you know and i think it really Mm. highlights the importance of like yeah like you know just maybe just add our playlist and then at least you'll get some (laughs) local uh, like smaller artists but i think like opening yourself up to like smaller artists is so valuable because you are gonna find shit that is so good that nobody knows about What
0: Demi Lovato's uh yeah this one isn't even in the millions oh well I oh, will of course
1: yeah Demi Lovato yeah it's uh, uh, sorry Demi <laughs> Demi is a is a mainstream artist, uh, it's like a big artist. Uh,
0: Demi's a bit yeah. more mainstream um but yeah <laughs> I wanted to highlight that because I think it's an important song and I don't think it's going to do as well as her other releases may be impossible. Yeah, probably. But at least she's got that platform and is using it. And brave it, like,
1: enough to use it. Even like
0: even like her like um redoing tracks in um rock form, I guess. That um that she's currently doing like they're still getting significant streams, yeah. so that's good. So it's not a flop.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, <laughs> uh, right. I would say that's us done. Make sure to follow Pop Goes Capitalism's playlist on Apple or Spotify and stream these artists, but not repeatedly because apparently that's that's also yeah, maybe bad. Maybe like cap it or um, two
1: hours or something.
0: <laughs> two hours a day. Just listen to the playlist start to finish. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that will look like a human. Um,
0: yeah, it's been a pleasure, Karen. Thank you for another yeah, month. Thank you. Let's reconvene in yes. July. Let's. <laughs>